Hey everybody, this is Arash Amini at Amini Corp talking about the profit motive. How can we build God's economy? Because you know it is the devil's playground right now. I mean, everywhere you look, it doesn't matter. Believe the world is on fire or freezing over. I guess it depends on your outlook, but we're going to explore the structures of power, how we can participate in growing this new economy to create wealth for ourselves, how hard it is right now to do that, and I'm going to share everything I know over the, through the course of this podcast so that you all can learn from my mistakes and get your money, son, daughters. <laughs> so... All episodes of this podcast are sponsored by Speechfully.com. Now, this is my company. You're all my company. And they are designed to help humanity move forward. Nothing short interests me. Nothing short of that goal interests me. So, Speechfully.com is a platform to create your own private social network. Because we know we're getting censored, especially if you speak the truth. The only people that get amplified are the people, the people that get amplified the most are the people that lie the most, that push this biggest lie, that distract the population, the strongest, to live a life of meaningless vapidness, of shallow misery. And if you want to be miserable, by all means, but let's not pretend that people that speak the truth get the leading roles in the biggest movies, in the most distributed songs and albums, get the biggest venture capital checks, whatever it is, you are punished right now for speaking the truth or even exploring the truth. So speechfully.com, if you want to become sensor-proof. Next we have Stack Farm Company. This is a company I started to bring food production into the house, meaningful amounts of food production. I'm sitting in my farm right now in Charlotte, North Carolina, our R&D lab, if you will, completely bootstrapped, almost completely bootstrapped. These are tough times we're entering especially for the truth and the problem with the state of the media right now is that you cannot debate the man-made global warming theory it's not even a theory because it doesn't predict anything that can be measured and proven correct or false it's not falsifiable a scientific model that is not falsifiable is just a belief the problem is you're not allowed to debate it and you will get deplatformed and called a climate denier akin to a holocaust denier. These are insane times. So head over to stackfarming.co, learn to build your own stack farm. Parts available all over the internet in every major city as well as directly through us and join us on our own private social media site where you can speak with other stack farmers and grow hyper-nutritional food. This is going to become a platform for exponentially nutritional food. We're going to layer on fish, we're going to layer on mushrooms, all sorts of great stuff is coming down the pike. 
And last but not least, Vigilant, the marketing department automation company. We make software to automate marketing departments, specifically for the B2B sector. So if you are an industrialist, a manufacturer, and a wholesaler, someone doing the Lord's work, moving freight across the world, across your city, getting goods into the hands of those that then distribute it to the end user. You're going to want to go to Vigilant.com. We have an entire B2B marketing department in a box. Now I wrote, I wrote, I made this software myself using a set of what they call no-code tools, which simplifies the task and allows us to deliver something at a much lower price without going to venture capitalists. Because I found out as soon as I speak a utterance, a hint, a syllable of truth, these people would flee. Or they simply could not see me, and I'll get to that in the next state, uh, in, the, in the first section here. But Vigilant.com, B-I-D-U-L-A-N-T.com. You can buy a la carte com campaigns and content, you can have end-to-end -end campaign management set up for you, or you can have custom automation software developed for your company so you don't need to rely on Silicon Valley bloatware. Vigilant.com. Alright, so let's get into it. What a crazy time. Let's talk about venture capital and these technocratic theologists, these theologians that believe technology will save us all. Now, I'm a fan of open and honest debate, but what's going on right now is you cannot question this mode of reasoning, this worldview, and easily or realistically raise venture capital. And you might be thinking, well, who cares about venture capital? Well, the frustrating thing is it's there, supposedly, to create high-risk, highly scalable ventures. And that is ultimately what's needed, or the companies that are needed, ultimately need to scale and do something new to address a problem that hasn't been solved yet. And so that, in and of itself, is risky. You look at any direction in the world, any institution, the United States and the world, whether it's the military, education, religion, agriculture, transportation, any industry, any institution, law, it is corrupted to the core. Now, I'm not saying everybody is corrupt in those institutions, but at every level you will find corruption. And sometimes it's just a fear and a malaise that allows people to not do what they know is right. And I understand, because when you have children, you don't want to risk your livelihood. A man would rather die at war than fail to bring dinner home for his children and family. It is, that is what makes men go bold. Not getting shot at in a foreign land and watching people blown piece by piece, but the inability to provide for your family is far more stressful. And I myself right now am in a corner fighting for my back, which I seem to be able to do. I'm not going to say I'm good at it because it's something I don't want to be good at. But the Lord has put me in a situation where I have to move forward with 
I can no longer hold my tongue. In fact, I have nothing to lose at this point. Really. I have no job. I have no income. I have no investors. I have no savings. I have no credit. I am on my last leg. Yet I have gotten here because of God's guidance and through prayer and meditation and having been here before and recognizing the rhythm of these situations, I am at peace and non, not panicked. I know deep down that at the last moment a miracle will, will occur. My wife knows as well. It is the way of life. There seems to be a rhythm at which things occur. And you might say it's a rhythm of business, a rhythm of life, a rhythm of social relationships. But there is a pulse to these things. And some are slower and some are higher tempo. But there is a pulse that moves through the universe that guides us all in every heartbeat and step we take and breath we breathe. And the situation, as I see it, is that humanity, our consciousness, is evolving. It is far, our society is far from where we need it to be. It's not even stable. God bless President Trump for shooting a dose of adrenaline into the economy and single-handedly willing a bull run to occur longer than has ever been anticipated. His confidence gives us strength. It's incredible. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt left in anyone's mind that those who resist him are blind and filled with hate and ultimately acting on the devil's behalf. I mean, truly, they're the, the devil's advocates. The few know and lead the mass. The masses do not know. And so they're trying to crucify him. Now, I'm not saying he's a savior. I'm just saying he's the perfect person to do what needs to get done at the perfect time. And so it's interesting, going back to venture capital, how these venture capitalists dangle large checks. I myself got enamored by the possibility of a $500,000 check to get my indoor farming company off the ground like a rocket. I have the whole company practically set up. All it needs is fuel. And I am the crew to get it to the first stage. I don't need anything else right now other than ad advertisement money. That is the engine of the average business. The venture capitalists, however, think the word of mouth marketing, if you're not growing organically, then you don't have it. You don't have a company because you don't have, therefore, traction that they rely on because they're blind to the act of creation itself that entrepreneurs participate in ultimately. And so this $500,000 check was dangled in front of me. I applied to an incubator in San Mateos, a company called Boost VC, and I applied. The size of the check was pretty much the only reason. However, they said they were interested in sci-fi founders. And I thought, well, this is a younger man, give or take my age of 32 years. 
surely if anyone is going to see the potential of indoor farming, personal farming, a farm in every home, the next great American clients to produce hyper-nutritional food on site using a new generation of biotechnology innovations commercialized for the average consumer. This complex thing made elegant by God's will and grace through me at times and through sheer determination and a decade of practice and training and attempts and failure and trial and error and more errors than, trial, than successes. It would be this man. And when I received notification that I passed the, the first round and did not receive a rejection but would have an interview scheduled on my behalf, I was elated. I thought, wow, look at this. Looking at the timing, this would be perfect. For the incubator occurs, ends a month before a massive international conference for indoor agriculture. And this would accelerate my growth rate by years and allow me to manufacture a piece of equipment critical to bringing the cost down and accessing more homes and so on and so forth. Wow, wow, wow. And I prepared diligently for this interview. I showed up on time, though they were late, five minutes late for my 20 minute interview, and then left five minutes early, giving me only 10 minutes of my 20 minutes allotted. And then I was denied based on claims or merits I was never able to address in my interview. And this pissed me off to no end. To be judged by things you're not allowed to address or affect, metrics you're not allowed to affect, is maddening. To be inches away from life-changing money, that would have been the first time in my life where I would have a guaranteed income for a year. I've never had that. I've always been fighting month by month and quarter by quarter. The most I had was six months on a handshake of income. And that was up in August, and I've been living off of that, my savings since then. Now, am I stubborn? Do I have too much faith? Do I rely on God's miracles too much? Perhaps. But the idea that I was inches away from changing the world and introducing, I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you, I could have guaranteed success with that kind of money. And I was not able, no one asked about my vision, nobody asked about the biotechnology involved. I was effectively ignored. Now, God put me in a brown man's body. And I wonder if I was a white man, would I have been ignored? Would I have at least been asked and believed that I had a vision? I could talk about what's going on in indoor farming and why my system is different and how this is like the personal computing revolution. Everyone needs a platform for developing new species of plants through technologies like CRISPR and so on and on and on and on. My distribution strategy, my customer acquisition strategy, the metrics I've proven, my financial pro forma that's ground up, that's built ground up, that's based on past known figures that extends 13 years, that shifts from or explores e-store and personal farming and then commercial farming, all of that was ignored. 
And I realized then and there, I'm not allowed in this club. God is keeping me from entering this club. And that these people cannot see me. They're blind to my soul, to my the spark of divinity that is inside of me. And they have to rely, therefore, on numbers, on a spreadsheet, as a proxy to my likelihood of success financially. And that was it. I burned that bridge. I went on Twitter, right? Explained what happened. And they replied, and I replied, and that's it. I'm done with venture capitalists. Truly. Which to me now means I can do something I've never felt confident or comfortable to do. And that is speak my mind. My contrarian mind. My narrative violating mind. Talk about God and God's place in our lives and in our businesses and God's economy and how obviously the devil is real and that evil is real and that it has been controlling the monetary supply on this planet for thousands of years since recorded history and that if you are born into a wealthy family you are allowed to rule the world and if you are not you will never have access to wealth historically but that all changed. Remember the Mayan calendar and its prediction of Armageddon in 2012? Apocalypse. And then it came and went and nothing happened, seemingly. Yet our society, our culture, has been experiencing an apocalyptic decline where people like Kylie Jenner, the son of, niece of, Kanye West got millions of dollars in cosmetic surgery, amassed an enormous social media following, started a cosmetic line to monetize that following, and is nearly the world's youngest billionaire at this point. Applauded, lauded by the venture capital community, by the startup community. If she can do it, anybody can. Who can afford one to two million in cosmetic surgery to even have a chance of monetizing or hyper-monetizing their family's fame, which she inherited? These are not things the average person can do. And so I realized if you are not born you do not live in an elite city, top five. Go to or went dropped out of an elite university or worked for or had worked for an elite company. Your odds of receiving venture capital for a high risk, scalable solution to one of the many problems that plague our culture, our society, our planet is roundable to zero percent. It will not happen. If you're a brown man, you can forget it. No amount of speaking about your vision will do anything for those people. They cannot see you.
And so middle America, Trump's America, is barred from this capital market, locked out. The world outside of the elite American, outside of the global elites is locked out. And what I realized is this is money, public money often, a portion of which is public pension money that the elites and sons and daughters of the elite use to gamble on our labor to grow their wealth exponentially. And where is that money being spent? On things like virtual reality and food delivery and all sorts of gig economy businesses. The phrase, a gig slave, is something I've been toying with recently. Someone who cannot escape the poor economic position of gig servitude. You cannot make enough money as an Uber driver to escape becoming, being an Uber driver. It's simply not enough money and you have to spend all your time making it. Can you fill in gaps? Yes. Did I myself drive Uber when broke and desperate? Well, I drove Lyft so I can cash out $50 at a time so I could buy my family groceries that day. I would wake up at 5 in the morning, go driving until I make 50 bucks, come home. This is the reality of most of America. And to be poor in America, be poor of spirit and hope, because you know, though the land and that shining city on a hill is so bright and brilliant and full of splendor and joy, you cannot touch it. And it is worse than being poor in a country of poor people, because you're seen as a failure. Because the rich, God bless them, through no fault of their own, are making more money than they need, how I define the rich. But they still have to work. And their jobs pay more than they need, a surplus. They can't understand why everybody else can't do it. And deep down, they don't want to. Because they know, first off, they can become poor if they stop working, if something happened, if they said the wrong thing. And this is how the low creep of evil has crawled its way into every sinew and synapse of the world and keeps us silent. And so here I am with nothing, yet with everything. I am free to speak the truth. And it's incredible feeling that's taken 32 years to muster up the courage to experience. In theory, I expect this to push away those that would never have worked with me in the first place. And in that space, those that would like to work with me would be drawn in, would be made known, my, my presence would be made known to them. I can grow any company right now through modest advertising budgets. I can grow food in any internal, interior space. And I can give a safe place for controversial 
brands to discuss and explore and seek the truth. That's rather amazing. If you stop and think about it. So what are we to do as Christians, as those that seek God's good grace? It's time to stop being poor. The meek shall inherit the earth. We were locked out of these capital markets for 10,000 years for all of recorded history. But now there's enough capital that we can all succeed financially. And I would say God's call to us now is to become financially successful. For every dollar a righteous person makes is a dollar taken from the devil's own pocket, is a dollar less that could be spent funneling drugs into communities and illegal guns into poor neighborhoods to fuel murder and chaos. It could be a dollar spent ensuring the health of your family so that they don't get ensnared in the demonic healthcare system of the West that will just as well give you a disease you had no intention of facing by virtue of being in the same building as these horrendous, horrendous ailments, right? And so God has created a paradigm in which the tables turn by the nature of the weight itself. As the planet grew more evil, the seeds were sown in its own, by its own growth to create the conditions for righteousness to sprout. The demise of our culture and the rise of celebrity culture led to a situation where Donald Trump could utilize his brand, personal brand, amongst the average American, whom he did no business with, except through his television show, to gain notoriety enough to become president and spend phenomenal less in advertisement budget because of all the free press he got from the same people that were controlling the minds of all young and old alike through media outlets, through every newspaper, every song, every movie, every television station reporting the same inaccurate, misleading view of reality at all times. Never by accident teaching us something new about ourselves or about the world or enlightening us, but only lying and always keeping us suppressed intellectually. The same greed that led to insane volumes of monetary surplus in the global markets has now created a situation where the controllers of that money flow cannot account for all the money in the market. And at the level of the average person, there's billions and billions of dollars circulating amongst ourselves that they don't care about for their interested in trillions and trillions of dollars. So now we get access to that capital. How do we want to use it is the real question. 
through the use of through the usurpation, usurping of social media invented by ingenious young minds, but set to a task of selling outrage and, and vitriol, we're now able to communicate with each other directly. And so God created a situation that would guarantee the end of the devil's reign by the very virtue of his growth and power. The more he grew, the more likely he would fail. And so he will, here we are. The people that were supposed to win the quote-unquote election, despite everything they did, lost. And now we see them scrambling to maintain power by any means at their disposal, knowing that if they were to take violent action, that would be one step too far. Having to use the very institutions that they have created to control us, having convinced us that these institutions were free and just, and therefore required in a situation like this, yet it's not working. It's unbelievable. Five years ago, I'd be afraid of getting Clinton for saying this shit out loud. And now, here we are. At the dawn of a new era of humanity, what I'm most interested in is God's economy, how we can create righteous wealth, ethical companies that seek to uplift their employees and provide high standards of living for not only those in their purview, but that through the very sale of each service or product, make the world a slightly better place to actually help humans. There's a reason that Silicon Valley uses the phrase, make the world a better place. It's a PR trope that is good for recruiting. And so the VCs, being the movie producers of their industry, pick and choose those people they wish to back, knowing that by the very act of giving them more capital than any other competitors, their likelihood of success is maximized. And if they don't do the job, they can get rid of them based on the terms in the contract regarding growth and put someone in who can do the job. Once the invention is made, they take it and run with it. But they cannot invent themselves. They have to find young, impressionable, quote-unquote, founders to pull from God's good grace something that never existed before and solves a problem that no one truly understood before and adds value to the lives of those that experience whatever this solution is, such that they can charge more money than it costs to produce it, and thus profits are generated, right? Business is ultimately a profit, a value-adding process for you. Buy goods, add value, sell them for more than your costs. 
to lose that value. The more value it produces in a person's life, the more you can charge. They're not going to pay more than they feel is justified. And so these people can't create value because ultimately they are unplugged from God's creativity. I mean, where do ideas come from ultimately? Nobody knows. Nobody can point to one. Nobody has a reproducible engineered device that creates ideas. They come from heaven. I mean, that's as good of an explanation as you can create. There's no place in the mind that you can say creates ideas. There's places in the brain that are activated electromagnetically when ideas are generated. But anybody that has invented anything knows about the ethereal, ethereal nature of ideas and how they come to you. They almost choose you. And the person that's best suited for the idea typically ends up successfully manifesting it, physicalizing it in the physical world. And so if you know how to run a business, that secret knowledge that was kept between handshakes amongst a fraternal order of men closed off to the average citizen, previously only accessible through highly expensive MBA programs, and ultimately passed down and person by person. To this day, I don't know if you can ultimately join the global economy without a single individual bringing you in. And this is the importance of mentorship. Someone whom you kneel down in front of and learn with as little ego and sense of importance as possible. Whom you then move on from when the learning has ceased. When the student becomes a colleague. That has been controlled tightly until now, where there are enough good people. And if you are one of them, I implore you, take on as many mentors as you can, mentees as you can. Be mentored to as many people as you can manage. It is the most important work you could probably do right now. For these next generation of business people, not founders, because founders denotes the need for venture capital. And venture capital right now precludes, this bars ideas that would actually benefit humanity. Now, I'm not saying don't try it if you have the network, but if you don't have the network, forget it. It's not going to happen. 
You don't need it anymore, anyway. What you do need are some angel investors around you to support you, that believe in you as a human being. You don't need much anymore. You can start businesses now for $50,000, where it used to cost $50 million. By the mass production of the surveillance technology and the techno-theocratic communion wafers, aka silicon wafers, we can use that technology. Because it's become cheaper. Now these techno-theologians will tell you that technology is the answer to everything. And I would say, what evidence do you have to suggest that? In fact, any place we go where technology is allowed to run rampant, unchecked, we see a dystopian nightmare. The Chinese social credit score system and surveillance system, censored internet, the syringes and fecal matter spreading across, popping up all across San Francisco. The syphilis and plague incubating in the San Francisco homeless populations that are growing at an insane rate. Where is unchecked technological growth led to happier, more content people? Not increase in total wealth. The people that go to San Francisco and make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year at companies that can afford that have to pay obscene rents and childcare costs, where houses more, many, many, many times, sometimes 10 times the cost it should be. Where they have to work day and night or else lose the income they come to enjoy. These are the people that tell you technology will solve all things. And I say that is like saying fire solves all things. A little bit of fire, tightly controlled and put to use is a very powerful tool. You can cook with it, you can melt iron with it, you can defend yourself with it, you can light the way. But a forest fire, like you see in the modern Sodom and Gomorrah, which had nothing to do with homosexuality and everything to do with selfishness and not helping the poor. Is seeing wildfire after wildfire. Why? Because they will not allow forests to be cut or prematurely uh, proactively set ablaze. Their own regulations in their utility industry has allowed a corrupt low 
seemingly low profit utility to rot away. And these things are causing the very fires we're seeing today. Because four molecules of carbon dioxide per 10,000 in the atmosphere, molecules in the atmosphere, is almost too much to bear. And if it goes to six molecules of carbon dioxide per 10,000, the world is over as we know it. Even though plants would ideally have 10 molecules per 10,000, and would thrive in warmer temperatures. All while you're not allowed to discuss the other factors. According to the IPCC, the only factor driving the Earth's climate is the sun's radiance, the photons emitted from the sun striking our surface and our atmosphere, interacting with our atmosphere. Yet we now know there's two other factors that seemingly impact, have a non-trivial impact on our surface temperature, and that is the atmosphere's, atmosphere's density, the weight, if you will, of the atmosphere, given its volume, and the solar, the sun's magnetic field affecting, amongst many other things, our cloud cover due to high impact, high energy cosmic rays not being shielded from us. As the sun's magnetic field weakens, the intensity, the increase of magnetic, uh, high energy cosmic rays increases, and these things strike dust and bits of plankton in the atmosphere and seed clouds. More clouds, less light. So, it is categorically, it is factually false to say that the only factor is 100% false. The only time you can say stuff like this is under specific situations. But the following is true. It is 100% false that solar irradiance is 100% the cause, the driver of this, the Earth's surface temperature. Because if there's anything else having any effect, non-zero percent effect, that means that there's more than one factor. That means we have to study I myself am in a camp where time for studying is over. I can't convince anybody that doesn't see the truth, have an open mind to the scientific debate, that global cooling is far more dangerous than global warming. Anecdotally, if you look at cooling periods in recorded history, they've led to horrible uh, decreases in population seemingly due to decreased crop output and decreased nutritional density from decreased sunlight, photoactive, synthet photoactive synthetic radiation, photoactive radiation, photosynthetic active radiation, less sunlight, less nutrients, less plant 
growth, less calories, lowered immune systems, rise of diseases that take advantage of suppressed immune systems, a la vis-a-vis, <laughs> right, uh, such as the plague in Europe. Yet an increase in temperature and or CO2 increases crop output yields, increases crop nutritional density, increases harvests, decreases time spent hours needed per calorie output, larger grains in storage, less time needed to farm, more leisure time, things like the Renaissance. Healthy brains, healthy immune systems, more leisure time. We would love to have a global warming period. And isn't it just insidious that the very thing you're not allowed to discuss would take your eyes off the problem that is being blasted at us from every single direction. Unquestioned, scientists settled, 97% of scientists agree. Although that term we can get to in a second. That argument holds our sight in the opposite direction of potentially the worst cataclysmic disaster that humanity may ever face. Global crop shortages, which you're starting to see farmers anticipate and react to already in Harvest 19 and no Harvest 19 and grain corn uh, in Brazil in 2020. These are serious issues. And isn't it interesting that you're told to look in one direction, look in the opposite direction of this problem. And don't you even think about questioning why or turning around for one moment to consider another problem. Because if you do, you're a climate denier. Let's talk about that consensus number. So the 97% number comes from a study of 11,000 articles since 1991 to 2009. You might have to check those dates. About a decade. 11,500 studies though. 66% of which did not attribute anything to global cooling or global warming, climate change. So climate change articles, 66% did not attribute a cause to it. 34% did. Of the 34, 33% attributed to man-made causes. So it's really 33% of climate scientists believe in anthropomorphic global warming. Now, two follow-up studies have occurred. One where articles But the 97% number conveniently climbed up to 98% and now 100%. However, the 100% number comes from only articles from 2019, 11,000 articles in 2019. 
which is interesting because there's a lot of papers before that. And the 97% number comes from a study of, I can't remember off the top of my head, a very small amount of number of studies, papers. Now the cynic in me would be to say, well, what's the funding available for global warming versus global cooling versus any other? How much money is available for scientists to disprove global warming? How much money is available for scientists to study global warming? How much money is available for scientists to explore alternative models? If, and this is something the average person wouldn't know if I'm unable, as a layman, to question the consensus, quote unquote, I would argue manufacturing consensus. How would a scientist whose job relies on their analysis of these figures go against the grain? If you've ever been in the scientific uh, department in academia, you know how hard it is to go against the grain. And why? And how hard it is to get money to do your research in the first place? Spend half your time looking for grants. The grants that are available are the ones that are available. Unless you get private funding, you're not going to go elsewhere besides you know, publicly available grants. There are no grants publicly available that I'm aware of for disproving global warming. And to come to an alternative consensus from the popular opinion is to commit career suicide. And maybe not amongst your peers, but certainly among, amongst the bureaucratic management of the department that don't want a climate denier in their midst for bad publicity's sake. So, even if it's not, I don't know to what extent CO2 affects climate. I know we're wrong to say it's 100%. I know there's no predictions made by that model to be tested by neutral or even antagonistic third parties to validate or ultimately falsify. If, an, if a scientific theory, if a scientific model, hypothesis is not falsifiable, it's just a belief. And there's no experiment to be done. There's no temperature that's been achieved based on CO2 levels. There's nothing that can prove that CO2 is X percentage of the problem, right? At the same time, there's been a landmark study done by a professor out of Eastern Europe, I think UK now, Zakarina, um, that measured the magnetic field of the sun, found an equation using supercomputers that it was un impossible to find earlier without supercomputers. Um, and this magnetic model of the sun predicts is time variant, and if you put in any year going back, it perfectly matches sunspot observations, which are directly uh, linked to solar magnetic activity. And then if you put in a future times, 2015, 2020, 
there is a solar grand solar minimum. So many cycles converge to create a very low energy state in the sun, which will then lead to lower magnetic field strength, less solar winds, more cosmic rays, more cloud coverage. Now, to what extent? Nobody knows. But her prediction of the grand solar minima and its true magnetic strength reading, magnetic reading, output, was predicted. And within reasonable uh, error limits, validated. That's the first time someone has predicted something re relating to the Earth's climate. And then it's been, it's been found valid, scientifically, experimentally. That's huge. That makes it, so in a good, in a good scientific model, the theory is like a very robust model that's falsifiable, that predicts past behavior, uh, experimental observations, uh, predicts new ones that have not been observed yet, it tends to be more elegant, explains more than its previous theorems. That's a, like, the theory of gravity is a, it's not just like this idea, it's a very robust idea. Now, it, that's before it becomes scientific law, meaning that um, it's effectively, in this philosophy of science, it would, you might say a law, a scientific law is something that permeates all of science, leads to new discoveries, like it, it ushers in a new era of scientific understanding. It's such a robust theory. At any rate, a model is just like an idea, effectively, a story that wraps around data. An equation could be a model. And uh, often represented by an equation. A hypothesis, model, theory, law, something like that. Now, if your model doesn't give me something to test and validate, it's just a belief. If it leads to new discoveries, it can start becoming a theory. But that's not a, there's not a hard line. It's just something that people believe or will label it in past tense. So the fact, though, you can't have this debate seriously in any academic journal is dangerous. And that alone is why I'm speaking up. Now, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm certain the sun is in a low energy state, and that's going to affect crop output and nutritional output to some extent, and I'm preparing for the worst. At the same time, my solution is just a great way to grow better food indoors, so in your own home. So whether or not there's a cataclysmic event, it's just going to be more convenient and help people. So either way, I'm doing it. I hope to God, if I'm right, this is the solution. We'll see. At any rate, go check out my sponsors, which are my companies. Vigilant.com to grow your B2B company through customer acquisition, best practices. To get a marketing department in a box for 10th, 30% of the cost of a world-class marketing team. Speechfully.com to turn to spin up your own private social media site, sensor proof, with e-store and subscription capabilities built in, and of course stackfarming.co.
to bring farming home. Thank you, everybody. God bless and good day.